Greetings and welcome. It's time for episode nine of the Chirping the Cats podcast. David's work here with you alongside my buddy, my coworker, my co-goalie, Ian Margol from Local 10. Ian, thank you for joining me again on the podcast. Of course. We haven't gone very far. No, we haven't. <laughs> but uh, as we uh, pick up where we left off on last episode, we went through uh, the first half of the lineup as we kind of assess the Panthers, uh, as the year is wrapping up here, 2019 coming to a close. So let's pick up where we left off, and that is with uh, number blackjack, Vinny Trocek, number 21. Um, ah, well, goodness gracious. With Vinny Trocek, yeah. it's frustrating because before his ankle injury, he was he was playing the best hockey of his career. He was, he was carrying a line on his own. Yeah. And since coming back, you see – Bits and pieces, a lot, not flashes. bits and pieces. But like, that's the thing. When I went through my notes, I wrote 21 flashing over and over again. It's, and, like, this does is that something count that, as flashing anymore? It, well, it does in that the expectation for Vince is what's missing from his game is this explosive element. And I feel like you and I have talked about this, and, and some of us in the media have spoken about it. And it's not like he's not doing well right now because he still has – the hockey IQ, he still has great hands. Yeah. He's got confidence, the movement, and you're seeing, I think even in the last few weeks, you're seeing the confidence even more so. But the big part of his game, what got him through the neutral zone so much faster than other guys that was catching defensemen flat-footed was that explosiveness from his legs. And since coming back from the from the ankle injury, it's not there. And I, I just I don't know if it's if it's gonna come back, if it's just a matter of getting his leg strength back up. I don't know the process. From having an or where he is, yeah, and and that's not the kind of thing that you want to sit down and talk to a guy about. I really, you know, try to stay away from the injury topics with players. Just it's not the best place to go. But with, with Trocheck, his faceoffs have been great. He's above fifty percent. Another guy who's turned it around in the last couple of months. And credit assistant coach and former captain Derek McKenzie. He's always working with them on faceoffs. Yes. Um, but with Trocheck, Ian, it, it's just like I feel like. We're at the point where untapped potential, or at one point tapped and not quite tapped as much. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I you see, see what I'm, I'm saying. So I don't want to say what what he was on was a meteoric path at the time, right? It wasn't. It wasn't meteoric. No, he it was steady, but it was steady, and it was, and we have seen that taper plateau maybe take half a step back, um, and and obviously it was because of the injury, and and I mean. I remember the the night that happened. Uh, you could hear him over the broadcast, and it was horrifying. So it's not often you see a hockey player taken off the ice on a stretcher. No, and and it's not often you hear a hockey player yelling for help, and that was horrible. And uh, Trocheck is an awesome guy, and so you never want that for anyone. You certainly don't want that for someone that is such a great person and means so much to the team. Definitely. For, sorry. Def, no, I'm agree yeah, with you. Definitely. We so here's here's a good and a bad, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this to you, uh, and so I want to get your feedback on this. So we he's ne- right now uh, since Q has jumbled up the lines, he's on a line with Achari and Huberto. Right now, we're seeing some of the best hockey Vinny Trocheck has played this season. Agreed. What you said something before that I think is so I, this is why I think this is a positive and a negative. I think it's a positive. He's playing great hockey. He's not carrying the line. 
he needed, it seems like, and I worry, he needed someone like Hubie to help carry that line. Is it a positive? Is it a negative? Because it's a positive that he's playing his best hockey. That line looks fantastic. And they're scoring goals. They're they're playing good defense. Um, and Vinny's really doing a lot of the dirty work on that line. You exactly. think that it would be Achari, but really it's Trocek that's been in the middle of the – in between the circles, whether it's in the neutral zone or in the offensive end. But on a few of those Achari goals, aside from the, the gorgeous one-touch one touch tic-tac-toe passing yep. that they've done. Yep. But he, Trocek's been the guy in front of the net. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one that you spoke about. Through his legs. It's right through his legs as he's tying up bodies in front. Like, he's doing a lot of good things. Like, it's not like Trocek isn't playing really well. It's just I feel like we're we're comparing him to the pre-injury version of himself. And whether or not that's a fair thing to do, look, that, that's, that's sports. Right. And – I'm not going to be upset. Like, as you said, Vinny is one of the greatest guys in, the, in a locker room full of great guys. Right. Um, and you want to see you want to see him succeed. And he, he is to a point succeeding. And let's see if the last couple of weeks where he's you're starting to see that confidence growing. And, and, and for me, I feel like with Vinny, I keep calling him Vinny. I don't think he calls himself Vinny. Um, I feel like if people call him Vinny Trocek, that's OK. His when he's at his best, he's showing up in the neutral zone. Yeah. When Trocek is firing on all cylinders, he's weaving in and out in the neutral zone. He's making plays. He's getting the blue line. He's getting the, his guys into the offensive end. And as, if we can keep seeing him show up in the middle of the ice, because in the offensive zone, the skill is there. He still has a great shot. He still has great soft hands. That's all there. That never went anywhere. Right. So, you know. I, it's I, the explosiveness. You're absolutely right. And so we, we all know the way – Vinny Trocek likes to likes to lead break-ins. He likes to be the guy carrying the puck over the blue line. He likes to do that. Does he do it every single time? No, but he that is part of his game. He likes to yeah, do that. He's very good with the puck. But losing, having, losing, he didn't lose a step, but losing that burst, we've seen more this year than we did last year. He has to the, lean on those <laughs> skills a little bit more without it, which the, may work out for him. Right. But he's. I think we're watching him figure it out. He's just not the quarterback of the line right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. Does does and here's my question. But I mean, with, with whatever line Huberto is on, right? But but that, here's my question: Is it is it that Huberto is carrying the line, or is it that Trotek doesn't have the added responsibility and that added pressure of having to <laughs> carry a line? I just a funny thought pops in my head as we're talking about. Who's carrying the line? Is it Trocek or is it Huberdo? How about the guy who scored seven goals in three games? We're not even mentioning him. Who's that? <laughs> never, never heard of him. How many goals did he score in his career previously? I think his name is Goal Achari. Goal Achari. It is fitting that it's right next to Christmas and a guy named Noel or Noel. <laughs> I love it. Is uh, is on a it. scoring rampage. He's he's not next though. We'll get to him. He's he's, he's two, two away. away. Two away. But as as we're finishing up with Troch- with Trocek, um. I'm just really, really curious in the best of ways to see, and more so over the last you know, 10 to 14 days just because I feel like Trocek has taken a step forward, and I'm really excited to see as we, you know, Christmas coming up, I want to open my presents. I want to see, <laughs> um, see where this leads for Trocek because as the Panthers are starting to turn a corner, I think, again on the season, they had that rough week where they did lose three games, but they didn't necessarily play that poorly, especially towards the end of that week. 
where you could see some positive signs, and then they had the game against Ottawa where they were just dominant. Right, and then which the, they needed to be, and they should have been. And the Dallas game was another really good, for the most part, dominant game. The third period wasn't what you want. But then you show up you in Carolina the next cushion. game, and you play that way against Carolina the very next day, and you get th- two points all three times. So In Carolina, in, a, in an arena that in the last five years has been a – Real problem for them? I think uh, I think Goldie said it on the broadcast the last the last time they won there was the first win of the twelve game winning streak in fifteen sixteen. All right, I'll take that. So there it is. All right, now officially we're back to a defenseman on this list, and oh goodness, I love this guy. What's not to love? Mackenzie Weger, number fifty two, the twenty six year old defenseman who is really coming into his own. I mean, last year it was like a surprise. Like, wow, look at Weeder playing such great defense. Like, last year, Weeder was the defensive defenseman. He was the shutdown defenseman on this team as we got into, like, February, March, and April, or a little bit of April. But as we got into the end of last season, it was Weeder that was, like, that had become the face of the defensive defenseman. And now this year, adding offense to his game. Exactly. And when I asked him about it, I'm like, is it Q? Is it, what is it that suddenly has you playing offense? He's like, no, I was always an offensive defenseman. I just <laughs> I, I didn't do it when I got pro because I was trying to make it in the lead. But now he's going back to all these tools that he got when he was coming up as a player, when he was playing junior, when he was first started getting into playing professionally after he was drafted. And uh, holy crap. Talk about a return on investment. Yeah. Are you, I mean, are you kidding well, me? Well, he and Ekblad were back-to-back picks. There's just... <laughs> <laughs> a year in between them. Yeah. Well, uh huh. You know who else was taken uh, that year? Weeder's year. Yeah. Tell me. Number sixteen. So Barkov and a bunch of picks. <laughs> Weeder and a bunch of months and Ekblad. Yeah. And, and there's your core right there. Uh, I mean, I'm still scrolling down. I'm. I, I was trying to pull up the draft, and I'm still scrolling trying to get, to get to, to Weeger. Well, and it's funny because. Yeah, Weeder and Ekblad are so close off the ice, and it's just funny that like they're they were back to back picks, kinda. There was a four five guys in between, I think. No, no, Weeder was the last pick of was it the the thirteen draft, and then Ekblad was the first pick of the fourteen draft for the Panthers. Oh, you mean you mean in terms of Panthers' last pick? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Okay, so he wasn't the last of the draft. No, he wasn't Mister Irrelevant. No, he was he just was... in the last round. But he was dang close. How close? Two oh six out of. Two eleven, yeah, that, yeah. So you call it five guys, right? And number five, Ekblad. Yeah. I, see, it's all synergy. It all... And for the record, I don't recognize any of the names between him and uh, Ek. Well, I'm usually seventh round guys. I mean, well, that's just the thing. Look at what Weeder is doing. He's one of the most important pieces on this team. Yeah. Another guy who you can throw into that ascension category that you assume we're not seeing the best of what he has to offer yet. And he's a physical defenseman. So you have guys like Keith Yandel who are going to be stepping up in the offensive zone and have that ability, but he's not necessarily the most physical defenseman in the world. Weger has the defensive defenseman part that we saw early in his career, earlier in his career. He's not exactly well, late in his career at this really point. Came he's out of it, 26 but, years old. Yeah. But you're seeing a guy that can, can contribute on offense, plays solid defense, and plays it with a physicality that – a team needs every once in a while. He's not going to go. I mean, look, if he needs to, if he needs to drop the gloves, he will. But he's not going to go fight someone every single night. But he's going to 
he's going to put a guy in the boards. He's certainly not going to shy away from it if he needs to. Like he's I gonna, he's love his style of play. I love that there's we've we've overused the word grit probably, but I love the grit to his game. But I love that you know, he's. I got, don't think he would mind if we keep describing his players <laughs> as gritty, gritty, skilled guys. So we're good, man. Let's just he's, let's just roll with he's it. He's got some skill to go along with grit, and he's not. He's not a small guy. No, not at all. So I I love what I'm seeing out of Mackenzie Weger. Um, I think, I mean, if he continues on on the trajectory he's on right now, uh, the end of this season is going to be awesome for him and can you imagine the next season and the next season I said return on investment we're not they're, none of these guys are being overpaid for how they're playing right now no I, Zero. I mean really who on the Panthers as we get on another side tangent here like who would you even consider overpaid they've got such good contracts on that team I mean Barkov and Huberto are two of the biggest bargain contracts in the entire league the only argument there is is Bob and, and there's no I, I think I mean obviously guys are going to point to Matheson and right but you know, but again, when you can injury. lock up a young defenseman for for term, I, I, it made sense why they signed him to that. Deal. And and when they signed him to that deal, and and they said, I think it was the what they say two years, and he said, can you make it three or something like that? Or it was it was, what's what's his deal? How long's his Madison? deal? Yeah. it's like seven or eight it's years. Set, no, he, they signed him long. I think it was I think it was they said five, and he said six, or they said six, and he said seven. He wanted to yeah. stay here because he sees what's going on. Um, we talked about Matheson. I guess that was technically the last episode. Um. I, yes, I'm sure that some people can argue that, but still, sticking to Mackenzie Weger, ROI, man, return on investment. Yes. This dude is, I mean, you can only hope that the seventh round, the late seventh round, that is a dart throw. It's a dart throw. It is a hope that a guy is going to develop into someone that can play in your bottom 4D, and this guy can be in your top 4D. He's paired with Ekblad right now. And as your top defensive pairing. Uh, before we move on to the next guy, just the last thing I want to mention on Uyghur and just something that the more I see him to do it, the more I love watching him do it, he might be might the best defenseman on the team at doing this, is his ability to puck handle at the blue line with a guy covering him and trying on. to take the puck away. And then move that guy, get a shot on goal, or be able to create the passing lane he is. Like Watch Uyghur. He's magic with the puck by the blue line, and as the confidence grows, he's getting even better at it. Yeah, and it's just something that has jumped out to me as the year has gone on, and it's just really fun to watch. He's almost on the traje- trajectory that we were expecting Matheson to be on two years ago. Is that is that a fair is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way that he's kind of stepped up and become such a reliable guy mm-hmm. in so many different uh, roles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Weeder's has been an awesome find, an awesome find. All right, go ahead. This next guy is yours. Uh, his name is uh, Nolachari, and uh, he scored seven goals in the last three games, including two, two hat tricks, two game winners. Also, this man had zero multi-point games in his career. He was on a very good Boston Bruins team. He played good minutes for them. He had zero, zero multi-goal games. Then he had back-to-back hat tricks. Is it a is it a product of the line he's right he's now on? I'm sure it's part of it. Don't get me wrong. Having Vincent Trocheck and Jonathan Huberto feeding you pucks, uh, half of them in wide open nets. Some of those passing uh, plays. It's just so unbelievable. Nice. But nonetheless, last uh, we're we're recording this on Sunday, so last night we saw him beat Peter Morazic on a beautiful shot yeah, with right a guy on his love. back 
put, you know, could Mrazek have maybe made a save? We and I talk about this sometimes. Sometimes you just got to give the guy credit for taking a heck of a shot. Yeah. And that was a that was a beautiful shot at Hat Eyes, top right corner. That well, was short also, side. Like you, you mentioned the guy's draped on his back. Mm-hmm. Getting the shot off in that situation catches the goalie by surprise. And and you saw Peter Mrazek was still moving backwards. And when, when that puck went in, if you watch the replay, he slides backward into his net, which as you and I both know, you ain't going to make a save inside no, the net. That, that's more of a frustrating, I'm pissed off, I'm not going to stop my body, I'm just going to keep sliding. I mean, you know, goalie gives up a bad goal yep. and somehow ends up in the corner, and you're like, wait, how do you end up there? <laughs> when... When we made those, when when we, I talk like I'm in the front office of this team, and uh, it's hard not to use we. Can when, confirm, I know, am not. Uh, you grow when, up a fan of a team, it's hard not to use <laughs> we. It's it's tough. You know what else is hard is not celebrating the press box. You and it's a good thing that you and I sit together far from everybody else because we. I'm half not the time. that good at it, man. I'm really not that I just fortunate half that the time. Like, usually there's a loud horn going right. up. Half the time we're we're fist pumping and going, yes, oh, oh gosh. If anybody had a had an eye on me during the, the Anaheim comeback game, <laughs> I mean, anyway. So uh, uh, moving on from our unprofessionalism. So what I, what I was going to say was when, when the team made the offseason moves and picked up Nolachari, Bob, uh, Connolly and, and Strawman. Strawman. Everyone was th- saying, "Bob, Bob, 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 Bob." Oh, Conley's going to be a nice addition to. Oh, Strawman's going to be a nice addition to. Achari didn't get much love. Yeah, the moves he was definitely the most under the radar, which surprised me because last season, specifically against the Panthers in games that we played Boston, and there's we in games that they played Boston. <laughs> I didn't even hear it. <laughs> um, no, like he showed up, and, and specifically, I remember. I went to the the game last year uh, late in the season where Boston just smoked us. <laughs> where it was like a seven to one, seven right. to two game. It was really late in the year, um, and we got seats down low because we had friends from out of town that were staying. It was never Boston fans, yep. whatever. It's all good. But I just remember watching that game down low, and just Achari was everywhere. And mm-hmm. from that moment, and through their playoff run, he stood out. And it, whether it was his unique sounding name or whatever, but it was just I noticed him all throughout. So when that signing happened in the offseason. It's like, oh, wow. Like, this is the kind of move that's not going to get talked about, but could really pay. And clearly, it's paying off. Speaking of ROI. Yeah. And he's another one of those guys that you can plug and play on any line. We're seeing it right now. He, he started out the season playing third, fourth line minutes, mostly fourth line minutes. Uh, right? Starting fourth line minutes. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that fourth line was Q's, like, go-to line. Bread the and first, butter. like, six weeks of the year. That line of Dryden Hunt, Achari, and Sevier, like out there late in games yeah. against the best lines of the, t- right. the opposing team. And even when Dryden Hunt got sent down and Toninato, same thing, like very solid defensive line. He's a guy that provides spark to any line he's on, which is what I'd said about Connolly before, but uh, I think that Achari maybe even more so. Um, he He's not afraid to shoot the puck, as we have clearly seen in the last three games. There is no one. There is no one with a hotter stick in the NHL right now than Nolachari. On that point, though, one thing that I've noticed um, watching Achari play—that's really for for a guy, the grit and potatoes guy. Like, if you watch him, I know you like the grit word. Grit and potatoes. Yeah. Uh, now I'm hungry. Um, Sounds no, like you, sandy potatoes. When you, <laughs> all right. Sorry. Please, please make your point. <laughs> no, just watching Achari like on these rushes and on these plays. If you watch him, not only find a spot in the ice to get open, but he opens his body up. He like the way that he moves his hips 
to get himself open to a shot, even in the middle of a rush. Like, it's literally, like, all in one motion. He's skating across the zone and turning his whole body so he can receive a one-time puck. Like, these are the offense. Yeah, these are the intangibles that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see from a bottom six guy. And the fact that he's got them... It's, it's a plays a bit. Yes, he's getting great feeds, but he's capitalizing on all of them. He's putting himself in the position to succeed. He's putting himself in a position to his. It, your teammates can't give yeah. you those passes. To reap not the benefits you. of the Trocheck and Huberto on his line. Yeah, I. I Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Noel. Noel. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, funny fun fact. Oh. My uh, my girlfriend always forgets his name, and she calls him Achiote. She can't she can't pronounce Achari for some reason. Is there a translation there? Because uh, I, I have no idea. All right. <laughs> well, moving on. Thank you, Nolachari. You know, extra little clap because just, you know, awesome, 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 awesome. Uh, next guy on the list is um, Stud Goaltender. Our new backup goaltender, Chris Drieger. And really, just like, look at his stats. Like, look down at this sheet of paper. Like, I, I, it's three games, but a 1.69 goals yep. against, a save percentage, a hair under 950. Like, holy he, bleep. He had 42 saves. Against Carolina. But how? 42! You can appreciate this, and goalies out there will know what I'm saying. How just steady, stable, calm, cool, like just in his stance, like very compact, for a big guy, very compact stance, solid butterfly. There's definitely a couple of things that, you know, we'll get to the the, the little nitpicky things, but like just as a goalie, like that's what you want to be, is just so solid. You don't want to be any unnecessary movements. I really like what I've seen from Drieger. This is, so uh, if you're not a goaltender, we're about to give you a bit of a crash course. One of the things, and and I'm gonna um, I'm gonna mention Bob here a few guys early, and I'm not gonna go deep into detail. But one of the things that we saw from Bob early on, other than the fact that he's one of the hardest guys wor- working hardest out there in practice before other guys are on the ice, is that we as goalies were able to admire he doesn't make extra moves he makes calm smooth sometimes he jumps to make saves which is something i've never seen before but it works nonetheless 99 percent of the time his his saves are positional he's in the right place he's moving the right direction he's making the right reads body control body control chris drieger who is 25 years old and has been in the ahl I would assume he outweighs Bob by 30 pounds. He's big. He's like a big that. dude. He has that. He's not as polished as Bob, but you can't expect that from. You're not. You're comparing him to Sergey Bobrovsky. There could be like goalies in the NHL for 10 years that aren't as polished as Bob, just because of how much friggin' work that right. guy's put in. Year so round. it's it's not fair to compare them. But Chris Drieger, a solid complimentary. That's a solid complimentary goaltender Absolutely. you've got in there. He was, I believe he was leading the AHL in save percentage when they pulled him yes, up, wasn't he? Yes, yes, you're right. So, and, and, so the and, 948 save percentage, it's just right on par uh, with this season. You know, there you go. And look, it's not, he's only played, what, three games? Yes, but, three games. But he's got a shutout in one of those. Yep, his first and, and there was start. Now, and we both know that was a great game from him, but it was a, it was a phenomenal defensive game from the Panthers. Yeah. From the Panthers, when well, we talked about turning corners, that that was a turn, a corner turned. That he game. he may have provided a spark. Since his first start, he and Bob have combined for a two point one four goals against and a nine thirty nine save percentage. So that's this whole month doesn't stink. That's you get that kind of statistic from your goaltenders. That's yeah. like Jennings Trophy 
he's he has Chris Drieger is playing exactly how a backup goaltender needs to play. You can't ask for anything more. You cannot ask. He comes in. He makes the saves you expect a goaltender to make. We, no we've, cheap goals. We've, we've talked exactly. We've talked about this before. There, there's going Every once in a while, there's going to be a cheap goal on a goaltender. But there are goals that a goaltender is expected to save. There are shots a goaltender is expected to save. And then there's the extra save that the guys make and you and that's that's the one where everyone in the in the stadium starts cheering and 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 yeah. you know chanting because it's a save they're not supposed to make right Chris Drieger is making the saves he's supposed to make he's not giving up cheap goals he's not flashy he's not Dominic Hasek rolling around in the crease. He even had a like a, a nice glove save last night. Yeah. But when you looked at the replay, his hand positioning was so was, good. He didn't have to it, move. It just went right into his glove, and then he just did what we love to do, which is you add know, add a little bit of flair. The, wind, the, the windmill arm. Add a little flair. But no, like that. That's one of the things I wanted to, to touch on with Drieger is his hand positioning. Like if you just watch his hands. They are out. They are in front of your body. You and I have talked about this because that's not what I was the taught. The styles changed. You know, twenty years ago when I was being taught goaltending. Um, it was more arms in, hips compact. Now it's arm, you know, hands out. Right. You know, very in, individual pieces of your body. Whereas it used to be elbows sort of tucked in and yeah. glove. It's almost like, almost like a glove was at an underhand. Almost. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. My, when I my old stance, my glove was kind of like touching the bottom. Right. Of my glove was touching like the side of my right. leg, and that it would let you just pop it right up for right. that windmill. But nowadays it's like no. So nowadays it's nowadays it's almost like a catcher, like a, a baseball catcher. I wish there was sense? a camera watching. Right now we're stuff. reminding it. It's almost like a baseball catcher. You've got you've got your blocker hand obviously on the stick between your legs and then you've got it's basically up and to the side depending on you know left to right if you're catching left or catching right but it's the idea behind it is you're going out to meet the puck you're not coming up to exactly. catch it you're not waiting like you're not, when i was taught it was you wait for the puck and you make and the you save make and you're the in the position now it's aggressive goaltending which... and and chris Drieger, you know what when you're a big guy you can cover more net and you don't have to it, when you you start seeing silly goals when big guys when big goalies do too much, yeah, true that. So so with we Drieger, could go on for an yeah, hour and a half before, about a goaltender. Before we move on, um, <laughs> I do want to. There's a couple of things that I think, um, you know, just in my note taking that that could be a little bit better. And three starts in the NHL, so you know, obviously there's plenty of right. room for him to work with Robbie Tallis, which he does all the time. And Drieger even said, um, for him, game, practices or games. So. As yeah. they should be. Yeah. Yes. But I think at times he gets caught a little too deep in his net. Even in the Carolina game, there was a couple really nice saves he made where he was like on his goal line, where if the puck had been shot a little bit more accurately inside the post, probably would have gone in. But again, in the right positioning, making the saves, not right. criticizing, but something perhaps that if even if you ask him, he may say, I'm a little bit more deep than I'd like to be. It's something a bigger goaltender can sometimes get away with that someone that's yeah. a little bit smaller would not. And then the other thing is just um, – that could be a little bit better is rebound control. And it's it's more just the low shots because he's fine. Anything off of his hands, anything off of his chest, it, it, and it's the hardest thing to really track right. is pat, pucks off of your pads, which is where the active hands and using your stick comes in. Right. But this, these are all things that, you know, it, it's a process. So so for those that are listening that are not necessarily goaltenders, there is there's a – when a goalie makes a, sa- a pad save, 99% of the time they are trying to angle it – to a corner, 
they're away trying, from the middle they're of the trying ice. to angle it away from the middle of the ice. Anytime you see a goaltender make a save with a pad and it pops straight out to the middle of the ice, it's either A, it was a, it was a frantic, had to get the pad out last second, it was deflected, something like that, or they maybe mishandled it and, and, and maybe mishandled it and maybe misjudged where it was going, something like that. And granted, these are all 90-mile-per-hour shots coming at you in yeah, a no, split it's, second. It's way easier so, to say. Yeah, for sure. It's not an easy thing. Like when you say kick your pad out, well— yeah, you're screened by a guy who's 6'5", 230, and then right. all of a sudden you see a puck halfway to you. You don't have much of a choice. You hope your reflexes get there, right. and you deal with the rebound. Right, and that's why these guys are playing in the NHL, and we're sitting here talking about them. Exactly. <laughs> so overall, though, I think the two of us can agree couldn't be happier with Dreeder to this point. And you know, I'm looking forward uh, – Yeah, I, I was about to say I'm looking forward to his next start, but yeah, yeah, not, not, not a knock on Dreeder. It's just been so much fun it's watching, watching Bob. Bob. Oh my He's gosh. been – Holy cannoli. We'll get to we'll him. We'll get let's, to him. He's, he's four away. All right. All right. Next up. Um, oh, God. This next guy on the list, the number 62, Dennis Maldian. I was so excited earlier in the season because I really thought like this was Maldian's like, year to really solidify his role with this team. And it, as much of it that was there in October, and he was really showing up consistently – that's your word. That's your that's your word for him. That's the word that you've had that you've Consistent, used. All, yeah, consistency. Um, and it hasn't been there the last few weeks, right. uh, the last couple months, really. Right. And he's been in and out of the lineup. And and I hate it because a happy, positive, fun guy, just you know, n- never really n- without a smile on his face. Mm-hmm. And you know he's putting in the work. It's not. It's nothing like that. It's just for whatever reason, he just can't. It, the consistency just isn't there. And when he's at his best, and I've said this to you before, like he reminds me of a little miniature Barkov when he's at his best because he's showing up in all three zones. He's just as good in the defensive zone as he can be in the offensive zone. You just Whether it's a confidence issue because he's not trying to do some of the things that you, we know he's capable of, it's just frustrating because I really, I really like watching Dennis Mulligan play, and I, I just wish that he could, he could get into a, a consistent basis, some kind of a routine, and... and Unfortunately, what I thought was happening this year, uh, it hasn't really come to fruition. He's actually been scratched in fewer games than I thought he had been. He's played in 28 games. Um, I agree with you. I think that I hate I hate it because I, I love Dennis Mulgan, right? I, I love the guy. I love the player. Um, I Consistency is the word that you have used, and I think it's the perfect word. We know, we know Dennis Mulgan can shoot. We know Dennis Mulgan can read the read the game. We know he can stick handle. There's no question about that. It's it's just you don't know which guy you're gonna get night to night. And uh, yeah, some games he doesn't show up at all, and some games he's popping off the ice constantly. And that's that's the frustrating thing. It, it is. It's frustrating. Um, it doesn't because you want you want better for struggles him. in the faceoff circle. Yeah, you he's wanted, he's not. not he plays his there. best hockey when he's playing center. center. But he struggles so much as a center in faceoffs, and that that when when Florida was really struggling in October and November, when they were having a hard time getting uh, getting some consistent wins together, um, they were really struggling in the faceoff circle. Right. He's he is uh, he's only at thirty seven percent in the faceoff circle, which is you know well right. below the other centers on this team at this point. Yeah, I mean you're looking at you look at Vincent Trocheck, he's at fifty four percent. Brian Boyle's at fifty. 4.6, you look at... Barky's uh, like 53. Achari's at 50, Barky's at 50, so everybody 50 almost 54, 50. 53.6. Yeah. And then and then you look at, um, and then you look down there and there's... <sighs> Mulligan's at a goalie number for his percentage, you know, 37%. It's just, yeah. it's not going to cut um, it. And, you know, I'm sure he'd be the first to say it too, but 
It's really unfortunate because we both really like the guy. Yeah. I I, I don't want to say I don't want to say anything negative. There's nothing negative to well, say. He's, he's 23. This he's is his young. fourth season, and he's still just 23. He looks like it too. But the problem is, it's his fourth season. Right. And at what point, like, do does the spot become? You know, a poss- for another like the next guy. Like, how many chances do you get? I, it's certainly not a decision for me to make. It's between Q and Dale and and Brian McCabe and Chris Bronder and the guys that make those decisions. I would imagine that a a Borgstrom, a Tippett, uh, Heponiemi, one of those guys in the next two next well, year, two think, years, yeah. it if, ends up in that spot. And I um, just the side it, note, part of the reason that I think we haven't seen a Borgstrom or a Tippett again this year, um, and this could just totally be my thought on it, but there's an expansion draft coming up. Protect them. And keeping them out of the NHL, because I think that, I don't know if the rules are going to be exactly the same as they were with Vegas, but I know with Vegas it was like first or second year guys were um, exempt. Exempt. Um, both Bortram and Tippett have played in the NHL right, before so this they, year. Yeah. So I think um, I would I just assume, it's just my opinion, uh, and please, if you don't agree or anybody no. listening has an opinion, let me know. But it makes sense, and and especially with this team scoring so much. Right, I, that's what I was going to say. They, I don't want to say they don't need them, right? Because it's but a luxury you can afford. It's a luxury to, you can afford, and and they're getting so much experience playing together right now down in Springfield. Are they on the same line? I, I they have been. I, I don't know if they are. I, I don't. I tip it. I think don't. has been has been having a bit of a better year than Borgie down low. We just totally got off our list here. Yeah. But, I mean, might as well finish the thought. Um, but, yeah, with Tippett, like, he's not scoring flashy goals. Like, if you – if I've been keeping tabs of Springfield as best I can. Not not necessarily flashy goals, but he's getting to the right spots, and he's still producing. And at the end of the day, like, that's a big part of the game. Yeah. Um, back to Morgan. Uh, you hate to say it because he's been such a part of this ascension for the team – uh, you got. I, I, how many more times do you have to say you've got to see more consistency from him before? Well, you know he's basically. You know everybody gets a clean slate with the new coaching staff, yep. so uh, we're, we're going to get a good indication of where he is uh, with with this new regime in, in short order. Because I would think you know we're trade already, deadline. Well, mm, not. I don't know about is if trade bait just because he's so young and it, it, there's not really much allure out there at this Upside. point. I would think. I'm thinking more just like we'll see where Q keeps him the rest of the year, and then when the off season rolls around, um, where what what league was he, you you probably I'm putting you on the spot here. What league was he playing in before he jumped to the NHL? Because he he wasn't. I'm not I'm not sure. Okay, I don't yeah. know if he, I don't think he was a KHL guy. He uh, maybe he was uh, he's Swiss, Swiss, so maybe he Swiss was League? maybe he was over the yeah. Swiss Liga. Yeah, yeah. The, I think he was playing overseas when he came here. I don't think he played any. Uh, I don't think he played AHL. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I, I don't think he played like any like Canadian junior or anything like that. I mean, you're looking it up, right? Yeah, he was at real time research here on the yep. chirping the cats. It podcast. looks like right before. Oh no, he did play a couple. He did do a couple years in Springfield. Um, yeah, Z- after the he was ZSC, drafted, though. Yeah, in LA, the uh, NLA is uh, the National League in Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah, he was. What, what was the team called? I thought you just had the it. ZSC Lions. ZSC Lions, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, that just like and again, the Barkov comparison comes back. It had been playing in a professional league in Europe, one of the top league. You know, the Swiss elite league is definitely in the top five. I would think. You know, with the KHL, Liga, yeah, the, D, the the German elite league, the DEL. Um, so I mean, look, 
we can't we can't spend all day on on, on no. Elgin, but uh, ho- hopefully the next time we do this, you know, we'll, we'll be referencing this conversation. And say, well, I guess Malden step you know, forward. Yeah. So, but we'll see. Uh, all right, going up as we uh, we're getting close to the end here. A few guys left, but um, Evgeny Dadnov. Uh, the, our next two guys are our two big uh, unrestricted free agents, uh, yep. 63 and 68. But we'll just start it with Dadnov. Uh, 30 years old. Just I, I really like Dadnov's game. I think in a sim, you know, not not in the same obviously uh, the same light or the same realm or however you want to put it of Mulligan. But Dadnov not necessarily the most consistent guy either. However, no. his inconsistencies aren't nearly as uh, the glaring. holes aren't as, yeah glaring. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Um, and he's also producing. He's producing. Uh, I, I I think he's certainly he has great chemistry with with Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberdeau. I think he's a beneficiary of that. I think, um, and you wrote in your notes. It's actually something I I was going to bring up. He always seems like he somehow always gets behind defensemen. It's like he disappears. Um, and you but but the the way that I thought about it is like because you think about a guy who's always behind the defenseman, especially from our perspective on the ice, you're thinking, oh, there's a cherry, cherry picker. picker. You never think of Dadnov as a cherry no, picker. No, he's not, he, and he's not. So the fact that he's able to do that just shows how smart he is at reading opposition, especially in the neutral zone. And and actually, we got to see a perfect example of it. Uh, again, we're doing this on Sunday, so we saw it last night. It's like the Carolina the, game. The Carolina it's just game. The epitome of the season. <laughs> hey, we're playing a good Carolina team. Yeah. Um, he got sprung on a breakaway. He saw that they were taking possession away. And he had to slow down, and he still didn't get caught. Which he took off. I love that. He took off. It was – who made the pass? I actually don't know who made the pass. I um, think it was Ekblad. It was a beautiful pass. But nonetheless, he takes off. He gets himself – not only does he take off down the ice, he gets himself in a position down the ice where he's able to receive the pass, fend off the guy that is chasing chasing him, who didn't really even get – closer than two steps behind him and he finished and he he's a guy that is producing um yeah I'd like to see you know I think in the defensive zone he's what's what's the word I'm looking it was for Boyle that made the pass who's Boyle yeah Dadnov from Boyle that's a heck of a pass uh I feel like in the defensive zone Dadnov is you never know it's kind of like you never know which guy you're gonna get night to night or shift to shift. I think that that was a part of why he got moved around a little bit in the lineup uh, yeah. before Q really got into switching the lines, and I think it was because Dadnov wasn't showing up in the defensive zone the way that you know he's capable of. And and, and that's where I speak of consistency with with uh, Dadnov is uh, it's mostly in that zone. He does. He has eighty seven shots, um, which I like. I like that he's not scared to shoot. And uh, go, you actually mentioned this with Huberto that you know we wanted to be a little more aggressive. He only has seventy four shots. Not bad for a guy that's scoring at that clip. Um, but, you know, you look at – I like that Dadnov isn't scared to shoot the puck. Um, I'd like to see him be a little bit more consistent on the defensive end. But then again, I mean, there are times where he breaks up a play single-handedly. Yeah, he that's that's he the thing. Because he can, he can make great plays, and he can be really good in the defensive zone. It's just like, why can't the – why can't – I don't want to say effort because I don't think it's, an, it's a matter of trying – um, but yeah, that's that's basically the frustration level. But n- as we move on to the next guy on the list and the next the next UFA, um, and that's Mike Hoffman, just night and day players, really. I mean, Hoffman yeah. earlier in the season, you're like, okay, like not when when Hoffman showed up in training camp, I thought maybe his 
uh, his UFA season was going to be like a big, a big show year for right. him because training camp and preseason and even early, early in the year, he was m- moving yeah. all three zones, all three. He was showing up all over the place. And I was like, wow, okay, nice. This, this is great. This is what, you know, this is how you really round out your game. And yeah, it just has gone away. And is it, know, is it too harsh to say he's sometimes a defensive liability? Is that too harsh? Uh, I mean, definitely could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for for lack of a better term, you know, yeah. I think he he could be a lot better in the yeah. defensive zone, and he gets lost sometimes. I mean, a, a big part of the problem earlier in the year with with uh, the goals they were giving up, and I mentioned this on the podcast, is the forwards weren't getting back in time. The gap control between the forwards and the defenseman was an issue. And Hoffman, it's still, I feel like more so than other guys, it's still a problem. Yeah, and. And sometimes you you just see him kind of coasting back into the into the defensive zone on a back check, and yeah, you know, I I would just say out of the two guys, it, it would make a lot more sense for me that I think that Dadnov would be the one to get an offer if either. Stay. So I agree. Uh, it, Hoffman's game seems a little bit one dimensional right now, uh, and and in that one dimension isn't really paying off that much. I well, mean, that's he's, the thing; he's not hasn't been able to get that that lethal one time because off, everybody knows it's coming. You know, what's the argument to that? They know it's coming from and guys like works. Ovi. I mean, how hard? No, I'm I'm not comparing Hoffman to Ovi. I'm comparing one of the most lethal scores in the history of the game. He gets a half half of the ice finds its way to be open for right? him to no, get that shot. So whether it's you know technique, whether it's coaching, whether it's the positional players, it, there's some way to be open. Yeah, no, it, it it seems like more and more often we're seeing. Look, the guy can rip it. There is you. There's not even a question. I don't want. I'm a goalie. I'm not scared of taking shots. I don't want to be in the net when that dude is winding up and ripping it. No, I don't want to be there. There. It seems more and more often right now, his shots are getting blocked. Everyone knows that that power play one unit. That's what they're trying to do. Which, as you just said, it doesn't matter. They should still be able to. They should still be able to do it. He should still be able to find right. uh, get the puck through. I I, I, I agree with, with Hoffman, you. I agree with you about like the UFA. We can talk all day and night about his amazing shot, but if we want to sit here and talk about his other attributes, like I'm I'm having a hard time coming. Like he's he's a good skater when he's what, he can really move his feet, but you don't really see it all the time. He can be great at back checking, and then he could disappear as a back checker. So it, you know, I I would I, I see I hate... Hoffman as what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Just the way that it, it could play out is if nothing else, hopefully a decent. Uh, a decent trade value when yeah. not, when the deadline comes around because we're the Panther we the Panthers are scoring just they don't, fine yeah, exactly and Hoffman hasn't really been contributing to that lately. he he is it's funny because the first team that pops into my head is um the Sharks with how solid they are defensively but we know he's not going to go there uh, well, he was already there for a little while <laughs> a little while does it does like a day count <laughs> if that long. I don't think it was a day no it's a couple hours um he can really help a team. That is solid, very solid defensively, but needs that nose for the goal guy. Um, you can't. Hoffman uh, would I be hate... great on a line with John Tavares. Yes, because John Tavares, as amazing still that he is, he's also a great possession guy. Yes, like I feel like Tavares is a superstar that you don't really notice until he scores the goal. He'll be on the ice for 60 seconds. You won't notice him till the last five seconds. But if you watch that whole shift, he's been working his ass off and getting the right, moving yeah. his players around. 
So a, a guy like that, I, and I mean, you know, a guy like Tavares, or, you know. Never heard of him. Uh, he had a pretty decent coach once, too. There's a handful too. of them in the entire league. Yeah, that's another good point. So <laughs> yeah. so anyway, I, I think we're on the same page. I, I, I hate saying I don't expect this guy to be on the Panthers by the end of the season. I don't expect Mike Hoffman to be a member of the Florida Panthers by the end of the season. I expect him to be... No, to be fair, I didn't expect between him and Dadnov, I figured at one least of one of them would be traded. Yeah. Because they they can't afford to keep both of them. And another and speak you know, getting into the the free agent pool, we're we've seen, I think, glimpses of what Talon's plan is. Because first he went after Panarin, didn't work out, but went after him. We know that they were talking Taylor Hall. about Taylor Hall, and nobody's making that move unless you plan on at least trying to sign him right. long term. And Panarin, Taylor Hall, they're done, those contracts are going to end up being similar. Right. So clearly, there's a plan to spend some money. Yeah. Well, and, and that was one of the things. We, we were talking to someone uh, up in the press box, and they said, look, he's gotten the green light to spend to the cap. There's not, there's not, they're not questioning. They're not questioning him. If he says, this is the guy we need, you know, this is the things that we need to do, and I think this is fair, they're not questioning him. They're not stopping yeah. him. So, um. Yeah, I uh, well, we we I don't want to take too much time, but no, a, any don't. names pop off to you, pop off the page to you uh, in return for someone like Hoffman? What what do you no, think? No, to be honest, I I need to I need to get into the research and see um, the UFA class this right. year because you know I don't know. It, it really depends on what what's happening with the team at that point because you could flip Hoffman to another contender, preferably in the West. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't. But want to play but for picks. Or, you know, for for a prospect or, you know, depending on what the need is. Or they might want to bring in another, you know, a Brian Boyle type guy. Or if you can get that left-handed defenseman that, you know, Talon has been waiting and waiting for the last couple of years and trying to bring in. So I don't think, by the way, we we, we, did, we kind of glossed over that in his. I He has been – I love the pickup. I loved it. I loved it when they signed him, Brian Boyle. I loved it when they signed him, and I love it still today. That's all I wanted to add. No, for sure. Just a little footnote. What we Asterisk. mentioned on the last episode was it's not just what he does on the ice, but clearly um, he's entrenched himself in that dressing room. And I, I, I just say go back and watch the bench on Achari's goal, and you'll you'll get exactly the point I'm trying to make about Brian Boyle. Um, I'm sort of uh, scrolling through, and we, we don't have to do this now, but I'm scrolling through the UFAs, and nothing jumps. Dmitry Kulikov. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I hope the silence, <laughs> just <a> silence <laughs> coming from my microphone can display the look on my face. Michael no, Froelich, he's also a UFA. Cool. He'll be a UFA. <laughs> okay, two more players on the list. Let's power through. We'll save the UFA show for, for another podcast. Yes. Um, all right, two days left on the list, and uh, we're, we're going to geek out again because it's goalie time. Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, I mean, I, I trace it all back this season to uh, – to a game on November 16th against the Rangers. Uh, it was that morning skate where I just noticed something different about Bob. Because the season to that point had been a struggle. Mm-hmm. Certainly not... That's a fair word. Certainly not bad, but not what he or anybody else was expecting. Yeah. And uh, Bob is as critical of himself as anybody else could be. So it's it's all good there. But it, it was that, that game, that day on November 16th, suddenly in the morning skate... Because you know, when you, as a goaltender, when you're warming up and when you're trying to get yourself ready, you're going to stay a little bit further back in the net. You're going to work your arms and your legs a little bit, and you're going to—it's basically just kind of warming Warm up your up. body. Um, Bob wasn't doing that. 
Bob was out at the top of his crease. Challenging. Bob was taking everything as a game situation. And then you saw it during the game against the Rangers. He'd make a save. And bef- like simultaneously with the whistle blowing, he was already flinging the puck angrily, annoyedly, back to the face-off circle, not waiting to hand it to a ref, not just putting it and popping it over with your stick. No, like it was clear that Bob was playing angry. Bob was not happy. I love the turnaround we've seen, uh, and you've done the numbers, but the save percentage has skyrocketed. Yeah, it was like 880-something two weeks ago even. At the beginning of this month, two, three weeks ago, it was like in the 880s, and it's above 900 now. His goals against is almost like – that, that for me would be like that's when he's turned his corner. Goals against under three, save yep. percentage over 900. Even in the game, so uh, the Dallas game where he gave up four. Can we can we say can we say that almost any of those in the third period were on him? None. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I no the the he got hung out to dry. Let him let them out. And look, they had a six goal lead. Sometimes teams fall asleep. Fortunately, it didn't matter. Well, and and the reason that I because after the game, speaking to Q, like he was like, yeah, you know, that's not the third period you want. But again, looking taking a step back, when you see what they did. Less than 24 hours later, on the road in a house of horrors. <laughs> and they that's, that's how they tomorrow. came back from that third period. Yeah. So. Uh, I I think, so we, we talked about this briefly with, with Drieger. Um, and is it, right, it cool to move to this about the uh, about how he plays? Are you no, cool to move? Do, okay. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know if you hadn't finished. So uh, the thing that you and I, or at least I noticed day one, and when I said it, you you just sort of said, "Yep, it's what it's what he's done the whole time." Bob is not the big goalie, the the Hellebucks, the even Drieger. Drieger's yeah, much ben bigger Bishop than Ben Bishop. That was the, just here. The he is not that big goalie. He's not the guy that's going no. to be able to get away he's a, with. He's a he's a skinny guy. He's he's tall, you know. But I mean, he's a skinny. He's not a big. He's not even guy. that tall. He's pretty average for in, as far as goalie heights go. But at this point, but what's amazing is his game is so much, and every goalie's game is about positioning, but his game is so much about angles and positioning, and he doesn't, guessing's not the right word, knowing where the puck is about to go or seeing a play develop so he knows what's about to happen. Great vision. um, He can read it really well. And and if you watch, if if you're a young goalie either watching, if you're a young goalie listening to this or if you're a casual fan that hasn't played goalie before, Watch Bob even in warm-ups. Um, the game is going to be better for it, but even in warm-ups, he doesn't have to make extra movements. And by that I mean he's not sprawling across the crease on his stomach because a puck came across and he wasn't ready for it, and now he's just doing anything he can to get a glove on it. Sometimes goalies make great saves on those, but 90% of the time that puck's going in. Right. Bob is almost never in that almost never in that position because he's always in the, the right, right position. position. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and he's calm. Yeah. Very calm confident. movement, which is, is the, why that the Ranger game that day. And then it was the next game after that, uh, that really jumped out at me because he wasn't his normal, you know, very just Zen self out there. Yeah. I agree. Um, something that I think since, uh, his first start in December after the two Drieger starts, uh, and, and since then, uh, an area that I've noticed of him, and may, perhaps you've noticed this, down low has been, like, lights out. Like, so amazing the way he's covered the lower part of the net. Like, I'm I just stuttering my way through the thought because it's just been so impressive 
the way it's just like nothing there, the way he gets his pads flush on the ice so easily, it just really spectacular. And his rebound control yeah. since he has since he sort of flipped the switch. Yeah. The rebound control, and we talked about this with Drieger, the rebound control has been leaps and bounds better. Yeah. You're it getting was, a ten million dollar goalie. It was so frustrating because the he would he would make a save and the puck would just pop straight into the slot. And and, and you know as a go- like watching Bob play goal for the last you know decade or however long he's been in the league that wasn't him. Like that, yeah. And and that's where you just think like okay, he's working his way through his shit. He's figuring right. out his game. Like and he's done it before. He struggled early in the season and he's turned it around. So let's just let's right. let him do his thing. We can afford for him to be playing a little whatever he was doing if it gets him to where he needs to be for this team to succeed the second half of the season. Just watch next game that you're watching. If, if you're if you're a casual fan, if, if you're a goaltender, doesn't matter. Just watch how well, – what's the word I'm looking for? How specific his movements are. Watch how um, he, he doesn't do anything – and I say, I'm sort of repeating myself. He doesn't do anything extra. Everything is calculated. clean, calculated. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. His movements are calculated. He's not a machine, but he's uh, you know Robo Bob. <laughs> Honestly, I'll take it. No, well, it's like he's got like preset body positions. Yeah, when you and you can yeah. literally see when he pushes to his right or to his left, it almost looks like it locks. It's the same into place, and he's the same every time. Yeah, the same stance. He's, you know, I, I'm. It's uh, nice that we're able to geek out over him right now. The way the season started. Yeah, and we've been talking about doing this for months but then the beginning of the same we were like, oh, we should, maybe we should wait <laughs> well you know this is a good time to get into it i thought so it's good that we're just fortunate that as we're getting into it now he's he's at a level where it's allowing us to just be our you know nerdy goalie selves nerdy goalie and selves. not have to pick anything apart and just kind of enjoy and, and before we we move on to the final die in our list the, the last thing i want to run by you specifically with bob is a phrase that has crossed my mind countless times as I've watched him this year and it's a phrase that I don't think I'd ever thought to use to describe a goalie ever until now and that is light on his feet I've never felt a goalie light on their feet but it's like he's got like he jumps he He jumps to make saves (laughs) yes I agree with you uh it is it is amazing that and that's sort of what it is right he's so smooth that it looks like He's so smooth, it just looks like – it's funny because they're all playing on ice, but it just looks different. It looks <laughs> different, right? It's it, so smooth on the ice. <laughs> uh, uh. It just he's, – he's a special goaltender. Uh, say what you want about the contract. Say what you want about the beginning of the season. The guy is the guy's a special goaltender. If this is what you get, especially when it really counts, yep. nobody's going to give a shit if he struggles in October and November. If he shows up like this the rest of the year, if, yes. he, if he plays well in the playoffs. Basically, yes. what he did in Columbus last year. Remember what he did to Tampa last year? I, I hope we see that tomorrow <laughs> when I drive up to Tampa. Um, it's another place that's that, not been very kind to the Panthers. No, that, But that's the thing about this team. And, and I, it all, for me, starts with Quinville. And, and that's why, like, I feel like all bets are off. Like, you go to a place like Carolina and you, win, you never win there. Whatever. A different team, different, totally different feeling in the locker room. I mean, no – and, again, no, no knock on the Bob Budners or the Gerard Gallants. It's just – it's friggin' Joel Quenville. Like, 
This he's is kind of a big he's going to retire probably as the most winning coach, coach in NHL history. Uh, Dang, Barry Trotz has to be right on his heels though. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> hey, bring on the rivalry. I know, I love it. Uh, the the one other thing I was going to say just about this team, we and we we do have our one guy left. Um, you and I were texting a couple of days ago, and it was when they went through that slide, and uh, they looked more competitive at the end of it, but the three game slide, but they didn't. They didn't look like they. They didn't compete, for the better part of most of those games. They they were better at the end. For me, but, it was the neutral zone play. Right. And just for across the board, they just but, couldn't get anything going. So here's what we I, I sent you a text about, and and you agreed with me. Yeah, they lost. They had that sl- that skid. It was unfortunate because it was three teams that we, they wanted to get points off of in the middle of that homestand. Right. But then they went and they beat the crap out of Ottawa and they and they're doing things and that then they went up 7 to 1 on against Dallas. Dallas who's one of the top 5 teams in the Western Conference right they now they are beating so Dallas you know Dallas doesn't fit the the point I'm making but with Ottawa they're doing things that Florida Panthers teams didn't do in the past they're beating yeah. teams they're supposed to beat yep you think back uh, to last month the the 3 nothing shutout of the Red Wings when they needed a win, and it was a team that was really struggling, came in, and they dominated that game from start to finish. And just like the Ottawa game, it was like they – I think Ottawa actually – did Ottawa tie that game earlier? Was it 2-1? to one? It was tight early. Yes. And then they just pulled away. It, it's – they're beating – this is this thing that – even when they went on that run a couple years ago, when we thought that they, they still had – they were, ended up with, what, one point out of the playoffs? Yeah. They, they were beating teams consistently, obviously. They had that 12-game – uh, was that two years ago? The no, 12 the, the, was... the twelve-game winning streak was 15-16. It was two years ago where they had that great second half and they just missed at the end right. because of the Flyers. They the... were the first half of that season. They were yeah, they were losing to the top guys like they had you know the the Boston's, the Tampa's, whatever. But they were losing to teams they shouldn't have beaten. Yeah, they were losing to everybody. This team isn't doing that. They are coming in. They're playing at their level. They're not playing down to the level of the competition. They had what was the the comeback? Uh, was it Detroit that they had to come back against and won uh, a while back? Jersey, was it? Jer- it was Jersey. And and since then, the you yeah. know they well, had the, the Ottawa. Jerseys, I mean, we've seen what they are this year, and I think they were up like four Gosh. to one in that Sorry? game. <laughs> I think they were up like four to one, and four to it was like the first of the comebacks. Right. So yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you, and I think. Again, it, it all comes back to the coaching staff and nothing getting through the cracks. Nothing doesn't get attention that deserves attention. The details are being focused on at a level probably that a lot of these guys haven't seen before. And they're doing it in a way that is very positive and very receptive right. from where the players are coming from. It, it's just it's, – I'm just happy, man. This is really nice to see. And I, I can only assume – the way that the team is built with a coach like this, that we are just seeing what should be the beginning of a nice, healthy run of successful hockey down here. And talk about uh, – it's a good good segue. Talk about fun and happiness. Is there a guy that has more fun playing the game than Frank Petrano? It's funny that you say that. I, I do agree with you that his style of play is very fun. It's fun. But if, like, I don't know if you read um, George Richards of The Athletic did a really good article last week about the nicknames of the yes. team. and. Uh, apparently there's a consensus, and I didn't think about it until I read it in his story. But Vetrano looks miserable 
all the time. <laughs> it's so funny because like you see him off the ice and he can, he's he's as as fun, he's as fun of a guy yeah. and he'll laugh. But oh my god, like it's just so funny to think about that because his game. At his best, like it's a fun game, yeah. and it, high if, speed. If he could, that's my biggest knock on Frank Vetrano, and I, you know, I, it's not a hard thing to say to the or to say about his game. But dude, I think he's the fastest guy on, on the team. I, I think Matheson may Him be the Matheson. best skater. Yeah, but as far as speed, I don't think anybody's better or anybody's faster than Vetrano. I don't doubt. And I, I just, if I had that, I would want to use it every chance I get, no matter how I needed to. Like you figure out how to get use your speed to your advantage because it's such a such a great skill that he has and he's got good hands he's got a good shot he's a good offensive player uh, use that speed more man let's roll like he got seven and seven this year fourteen points yeah I I expected a little bit more from him this year after what he did last year and again it could be a product of the system and he's played on a few different lines but right now that line we've talked about it we talked about it uh, I think on the last episode. He's on that line currently with Connolly and Barkov, and that line hasn't really shown up at all. We haven't done anything. A little overshadowed by, you know, uh, as Trocek dubbed him, right. Noel Gretzky Achari. But, um, and, and but yeah, Jonathan, so with Vitrano, And Jonathan Golden Hands Huberto. There you go. Oh, you're unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, I, with Vetrano, I feel like there's more there than we're seeing this year, and I'm I agree. You know, uh, slightly disappointed. I agree. Um, I love his game. I love the speed of his game. I love... That he's, uh, you know, I've said he's not scared to shoot the puck. Um, let me see. There's, he's he's taken 82 shots, so he's, I mean, he's not scared to shoot the puck. Oh, for uh, sure. You know, he's a shooter. It's just that's. It, I feel like his game would grow by leaps and bounds if he could just like. He's got more explosiveness than Trocheck ever had. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, he may not have the hands that Trocheck has. No, but, he, but but again, you, you work to your strengths, and right. there's no bigger strength for Frank Vetrano. Than his than his legs. Yeah, I would like to see a little bit more from him. Um, yeah, seven and seven. I would like to see that more right now. I'd like to see that more at looking like nine or ten and seven at least. Yeah. Um, again, at the end of the day, like if the team's succeeding, then right. You know, and it's he's twenty five. Yeah, he's still he's, he's only twenty five. But I, you know, again, it's just that you know a lot of the guys that we haven't had the best, the most positive things to say about. It was it wasn't as detrimental to them as it's more of an untapped potential. We see that it's there. We just need to see more of it. We need yep. to see it more consistently. Anywho. That's, all right, that, that's that all was, of them. That was fun, man. That was fun. And it does not feel like we've been doing this for hours and hours. And Two hours. hours now? No, that was great. And Ian, thank you so much for sitting here with me and just going through it. Uh, I definitely think we'll be doing more of this as the season goes on. Absolutely. As it's really nice to, to have a good hockey mind to bounce this off of. So thank you so much for taking time out of your, your weekend <laughs> to sit here with me and do this. Um, no, thank you. Uh, and I think that what a lot of people may not know or appreciate about what you've been doing is how much time you're putting in. Talk about me spending two or three hours of my weekend. You spend hours and hours of time that uh, is just your time. And uh, I think you've done an awesome job, and I think our station is is benefiting from it. But I think even more so, uh, Florida Panthers fans are getting someone that's not a you know you're not we're not you're not a big national network reporter. You're someone that is local. Well, you know yet. Well, you're not allowed to leave us yet. You just no. you just joined Channel Ten like six months ago. Slow down. Not even. But, <laughs> but no, for it's something that is. And growing up a Panther fan, like right. that. That's why, like I said earlier, like it's all about education. It's all about just imbr- or expanding the game. And that's you know, there's been a lot of fun. It's been great, man. It's just 
you know, just like with so many of these players, man, it's just scratching the surface. Take a look up at us next time. Uh, next time we're up in the press box, every time we, when we score, you'll see. If you turn around, <laughs> you'll see us hiding our fist pumps typically oh so goodness. we'll have to we'll have to record it somehow <laughs> i don't want to tell people to look away from the ice when the panthers are scoring nah, we're gonna have afterward to we work for a tv station we can figure out a way to to, <laughs> to do this but any and thank you so much and thank everybody for listening this has been episode nine of the chirping the cats podcast again if you like what you've been hearing please subscribe uh rate give good ratings please reach out on twitter um, and let us know what you're thinking. Uh, my Twitter handle is at David Dwork, D-W-O-R-K. Ian, how can they reach you? At Ian Margle, W-P-L-G, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of those, uh, feel free. Across and Across the board. If, uh, if you follow me on Twitter there, you'll get news and sports, but uh, I, tr- I try to switch hats. And, uh, it's a well-rounded Twitter follow is what it is. Well-rounded Twitter follow is a fair statement. Well, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll be back soon with episode 10. The, the double X, or the single X, Roman numerals, the, the X episode <laughs> of Chirping the Cats will be coming up next. But again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed everything that we've provided with the uh, player ratings, and we will see you next time. Go Panthers! How now, Brown Cow? <laughs> <laughs> I hope that makes it. What was it? The, the Unique New the, York. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. That's what it was. The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. Oh, all right. Okay, serious time.